Thank you, Brother Tripp. <clears throat> Father, wilt thou lead my learning as I give my best efforts? What a beautiful introduction to today's meeting. Thank you very much. My dear brothers and sisters, we love you with all of our hearts. It is a remarkable privilege for us to be with you today. I testify that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is our Redeemer. And because of his gift of the atonement, we have the ability to grow, to improve, to change, and to develop those characteristics that will qualify us to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we love President and Sister Cush. How fortunate you are to have their leadership. We first met the Cushes many years ago at a mission leadership conference when we were called to serve as mission presidents. We are in the same class and we've known them since that time and we consider them dear friends. Oh, how we love them. I would like to share the following story from a talk given by Elder Douglas L. Collister of the Quorum of the Seventy. The talk was titled, Your Refined Heavenly Home. Quote, I heard a story about an imaginary king whose wife gave birth to a baby boy. The parents knew that the lad would someday inherit the kingdom, desiring that their son be a wise king, fully familiar with the needs of the people over whom he would reign. The king and queen took the infant into the country to be raised as part of a peasant family. He would be told nothing of this secret, his secret destiny until he became a man. At the appropriate time, the king and queen returned to the country to confirm their son the kingdom. They were greatly disappointed. Having been told nothing of his appointed destiny, he was exactly that which had prepared him to be. He understood the proper care of the animals, and he knew how to gather the crops, but he knew nothing of the armies and the palaces and the courtyards and how to preside. He had lost his vision. It should not be difficult for you to glean the truth in this story. Another king, your father in heaven, has sent you away from his presence to have experiences you would not have had in your heavenly home, all in preparation for the conferral of a kingdom. He doesn't want you to lose your vision. You are children of an exalted being. You are foreordained to preside as kings and queens. You live in a home and environment of infinite refinement and beauty as reflected in the language, literature, art, music, 
and order of heaven, end quote. Over a lifetime, I suspect I have read hundreds of conference talks from general authorities and church offices, church officers, but even today, I still know of no talk that had more of an immediate and profound influence on my life than the talk that was given by Elder Collister. When I was reading those words, it caused me to reflect upon my own lack of physical and spiritual refinement. It cultivated within me a deep desire to change and to improve. I wanted to be more like our Heavenly Father and His Savior in thought and deed, and wanted to be worthy to enjoy the refined society of angels and heavenly parentage. The thought of of divine refinement has affected the way I speak, the way I dress, the way we decorate our home, what we watch, what we listen to, even picking up after myself to keep our home clean and orderly. I simply can't imagine a heavenly home environment that is sloppy, disorganized, or dirty. Nor can I imagine a celestial home filled with dishonest, selfish, and less than saintly beings. There is much to consider as we peer through the veil and ponder what the celestial kingdom is like and reflect upon the guide-like character, dignity, and demeanor of those who occupy that exalted sphere. One of the godlike characteristics that we are sent to earth to develop and refine is honesty. My focus today is on honesty and honesty's cousins, lying, stealing, and cheating. The 13th article of faith reads in part, we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report, or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. Honesty is a requirement to enter into the Lord's holy house, where the highest and the most sought-after blessings are received. Honesty is closely connected to the covenants we make and which we renew each week at the sacrament table. In addressing honesty, I am aware that most of you in the audience are exemplary in honesty and integrity and have the desire and the commitment to please the Lord. However, one only needs to spend a few minutes on the news or social media to come to the sobering realization that society in general is in an honesty crisis. In the book of Moses, we read, I, the Lord, caused that he, Satan, 
should be cast down, and he became the father of lies, to deceive and blind men, and to lead them captive at his will, even as many as would not hearken unto my voice. The prophet Joseph Smith included liars and sorcerers and adulterers and whoremongers and whosoever loves and makes a lie as among those who were to suffer the wrath of God on earth and will be assigned to the telestial kingdom which is the lowest degree of glory. My dear brothers and sisters, are you catching this? Lying is one of the most grievous sins we can commit. We simply cannot be complacent or casual in our approach to honesty. Our very eternal progression and happiness depends upon it. In comparison to Satan, the father of lies, listen to the words of the brother of Jared as he proclaims, Yea, Lord, I know that thou speakest the truth, for thou art God of truth and cannot lie. We have the agency to make choices, but ultimately we will be accountable for each choice that we make. We may deceive others, but there is one we will never deceive, and that is our ultimate judge, even Jesus Christ. As President Gordon B. Hinckley has said, let the truth be taught by example and precept, that to steal is evil, that to cheat is wrong, that to lie is a reproach to anyone who indulges in it. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said that sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits all of them. Lying is more than not telling the truth. It is also not telling the whole truth. Let me give you an example. As a former mission leader, I had far too many experiences where young men and women came into the mission field only to realize that their pre-mission repentance was inadequate. They had not been completely honest with their priesthood leaders when asked about worthiness. They had glossed over their confessions. What is gloss over? A gloss over is when you tell only part of the truth, when you leave out important details or purposely minimize the wrongdoing. Eventually, some of these gloss over missionaries caught the spirit of their mission, and the spirit also caught them. Their hearts became broken and contrite. They knew that they were not right with the Lord, so they 
humbly sought counsel and direction from their mission president. One of the most grievous forms of lying is to lie to a bishop, a stake president, or a mission president. A lie or half-truth to a priesthood leader is a lie or a half-truth to the Lord. Just because a priesthood leader does not ask a specific or pertinent question does not create an excuse for not disclosing all that needs to be confessed. The same is true in our relationship with others. When we purposely conceal the truth or misrepresent the facts, when we do so, we are engaging in a form of lying. Benjamin Franklin, he said, half a truth is often a great lie. Are there times in our personal relationships, in school or business, when we succumb to glossyitis? My sweet, talented, exceptional, and might I add, beautiful wife, spoke at a BYU devotional a few years ago. I would like to quote from her address. How many times do we look in the mirror and believe the lies, half-truths, or exaggerations we tell ourselves and others? What prompts this need to exaggerate? Maybe it's a desire to elevate one's position or to diminish another's. When someone constantly exaggerates, it doesn't, doesn't take long before he loses credibility. After all, isn't exaggeration a form of lying? Regardless of what causes this type of behavior, it is inconsistent when the dignity, demeanor, and integrity of a discipleship, when those that love the Savior, Savior choose to exaggerate and not speak honestly. End quote. Hannah Arndt, a political scientist, said this about lying. If everybody always lies to you, if everybody lies to you, she said, the consequence is not that you believe the lies, but rather that nobody believes anything any longer. Because of the overwhelming negative effect of lying to society, it is not a surprise that many research studies have been conducted to see what dishonesty does to the brain. One study was led by the University of Notre Dame using MRI Researchers tracked the portion of the brain associated with emotions. The conclusion to the study suggests the more you lie, the easier it gets. Small lies become larger lies, and the brain adapts and becomes desensitized over time. 
Thomas Jefferson observed, he who permits himself to tell a lie once finds it much easier to do it a second and a third time. Tell at length, it becomes habitual. He tells lies without attending to it and truths without the world's believing him. This falsehood of the tongue leads to that of the heart and in time deprives all its good dispositions. Yes, lying affects the brain and the body in a negative way. The greatest harm, however, is to the spirit. At a time when revelation is so important, so necessary, we would never want to do anything that would draw us away from the Holy Spirit. Whenever I hear a person argue that it is only a little lie, I think of the criminal who approached an employee and asked, would you help me steal from your employer's property if I paid you $1 million? After a moment's thought, the surprised employee said that if it was for a million dollars, he would. The criminal replied, well, I will give you $20, so let's get started. The employee angrily replied, what do you take me for, a thief? We have already established that, the criminal responded. Now we are just haggling over the price. There are different shades of truth-telling, says President James E. Faust. When we tell little white lies, they become progressively colorblind. It is better to remain silent than to mislead. The degree to which each of us tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth depends on our conscience. David Kastevens of the Dallas Morning News tells a story about Frank Simonsky, a Notre Dame center in 1940, who had been called as a witness in a civil suit at South Bend, Indiana. Are you a Notre Dame football player? The judge asked. Yes, you, your honor. What position do you play? Center, your honor. How good a center are you? Samaski squirmed in his seat and said firmly, Sir, I am the best center that Notre Dame has ever had. Coach Frank Leahy was in the courtroom. He knew the young Samansky is always being modest and unassuming. So after the court hearing, he took Samansky aside and asked why he had made such a statement. I hated to do it, coach, he said, but after all, I was under oath. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, now let's consider the pandemic of stealing. Thou shalt not steal, and he that stealeth and will not repent shall be cast out. Stealing in the form of shoplifting is surging across America with a reported $100 billion price tag 
to retailers annually. In some parts of the country, governments have tried to decriminalize some forms of shoplifting just because it may not, just because it may be legal does not mean it is right. What about stealing someone's good name by repeating rumors or gossiping? Have you been hurt by someone falsely accusing you or, or of something that others have said about you that is false? I have, and the hurt and pain is hard to describe. What about stealing someone's words by plagiarizing? Consider how artificial intelligence has made this form of stealing much more accessible. How about buying something on credit with no intention of paying the debt? or skipping payments for rent, utility bills, or student loans, leaving others to carry the burden. Have you considered that tapping into someone else's paid services or subscriptions is stealing? A colleague pondered to me just a few days ago. He pondered out loud. If I start paying my student loans back, I will not be able to make my house payments, and I will lose my home. I assured him that his wife would much rather have a husband that honored his commitments than living in a new home. Are we stealing from governments by not being honest with our taxes? Are we stealing from God when we are not honest in paying our tithes and offerings. We owe our employer an honest day of work for an honest pay. Anything less is a form of stealing. In an age where there are work from home options, are we completely honest to our employer? Are we giving our best efforts or are we stealing time from those that employ us? Isn't the lack of punctuality a form of stealing? Whose time are we wasting? Whether large or small, if you steal something, it is still stealing. A few days ago, I was listening to a news program and a story was told about Connor a 10-year-old boy from Minnesota. Connor was out fishing with his dad and caught what he thought was a whopper of a fish. When he reeled in his catch, he found that it was a wallet containing $2,000 in cash. That's a lot of money. There was a business card in the wallet belonging to the farmer in a neighboring state. Connor contacted the farmer and gave the farmer the good news. His wallet was found. The farmer had been fishing in the lake a year earlier and at that time lost his wallet. He made arrangements to pick up the wallet and offered Connor a reward, but Connor refused. 
as I tell the story, how many of you quickly put yourself in the place of Connor? $2,000. Wow, that's a lot. Would you keep the money? After all, finders keepers, losers weepers, right? How long would you think about it before you made the call? Good on Connor, and thank heavens for a father that obviously was mentoring his son in principles of honesty. Can we talk for a minute or two about cheating? President Faust, James E. Faust, shared this story about a friend. Getting into medical school is pretty competitive, and the desire to do well and be successful puts a great deal of pressure on the new incoming freshman. My husband had worked hard on his studies and went to attend his first examination. The honor system was expected behavior at the medical school. The professor passed out the examination and left the room. Within a short time, students started to pull little cheap papers out from under their papers or from their pockets. My husband recalled his heart beginning to pound as he realized it is pretty hard. A tall, lanky student stood up in the back of the room and stated, I left my hometown and put my wife and three little babies in an upstairs apartment and worked very hard to get into medical school and I will turn the first one of you I see who cheats. And you better believe it. Well, they believed it. There were many sheepish expressions, and those sheet papers started to disappear as quickly as they had appeared. He set a standard for the class, which eventually graduated the largest group in the school's history. The young, lanky medical student who challenged the cheaters was Elder J. Ballard Washburn, who became a respected physician and later served as a general authority. Quoting again from President Faust, in reality, we are only in competition with ourselves. Others can challenge and motivate us, but we must reach down deep into our souls and call forth our God-given intelligence and capabilities. We cannot do this when we depend on the efforts of someone else. Dishonest people can always find ways to cheat in school. We invite you not to do so. Dear brothers and sisters, the adage that honesty is the best policy is indeed the best policy. We need to be honest in our relationships with our spouse, with our family. If we're looking at pornography or being unfaithful, we're, we're cheating, we're stealing. In order to develop Christ-like characteristics, we need to be obedient to our conscience, follow the Spirit, and be honest in every way. I testify that God lives. Jesus is the Christ. May we stay on the covenant path is my humble prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.